Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps. This is a podcast about the advertisements that raised us, faced us, and amazed us. My name is Al, and I'm here with my co-host, Courtney. I'm back, baby. <laughs> you said last time, I'll be back, and now you are. Haha, <laughs> Terminator. Did I say that? No. Oh. I am the Terminator. You know though. the Terminator. I, He's yeah. a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And a robot. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am a big guy and a robot. I think you I feel that you are Aww. both a big guy and a robot. Thank you. And I'm glad that you agree. I do. Hey, you like it when we play a little game, right? I love a little game. I'm so glad. Okay. Okay, the year <laughs> is 1973. Oh, we're just getting into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. The year is 1973. You are well on your way to becoming an American icon. Of course. Of course. Sorry? Excuse me? Of course of I am. Of course. You've done a lot in your short life. Oh. You've switched careers. You've been to space. Huh? And you just became a surgeon. Life is pretty good. Your body is flawless. Nice. And you've uh, only recently stopped giving life the side eye. Okay. As a matter of fact, you have everything you could ever need. Including a house that some people only dream of. Oh. Are you saying, who am I? Yeah, who it's are me. you? It's me. Okay. It's me, Courtney. It's you, Courtney. It's you 1973. It You're hot as hell. It's me. I'm a surgeon and a fucking space astronaut. <laughs> Could be a monkey. Do not know. It's me. Any That's guesses? my answer. Oh, I don't know. Shirley Temple? Uh, yeah, it's Shirley Temple. <laughs> no. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> they sent Shirley Temple to space? And then she became a surgeon? My heart my heart got stolen by Shirley Temple. Can I tell you, I love a Shirley Temple, and your husband, a.k.a. our production assistant, yeah. is always happy to make me one. Oh, yeah. We have the grenadine flowing in this house. It's so good, and I love it. I actually, can I, I need to establish some more red uh, strings. Okay, please. Okay, I'm going to go back to uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Muzzy. So you're just going to break in Yeah, my... no, no, this is important. Wow. It's important, it's important, it's important. <laughs> I'll get back to it. Okay. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Muzzy, and I said, who has Who's seen, seen Muzzy? Muzzy? It's it's as south as Florida, my friend. That's wild. We got some people saying they saw it in Alabama and Florida and Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. The the red tape that it went, or sorry, the red strings and the tape maybe went far. This is where I want another little listener participation. Okay. Do you put orange juice in your Shirley Temples? You need to tell me if you do or not. And where you're from. Because this is a big thing. Can I start? Yeah. I'm from Vancouver <laughs> slash island. Yeah. And I put orange juice in my Shirley Temples. That's the way that I like them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I grew up in... I guess I started drinking Shirley Temples in, like, New England. And it was just... There was no orange. Yeah. And when I came around here, they're putting this orange shit in my Shirley Temples. <laughs> So I need to know. When I was a when I was a kid, um, we would always go to this Chinese food restaurant in town called the Golden Carriage. Yeah. And I would get a Shirley Temple when I was there. Yeah. And to me, that is still like the platonic ideal of Shirley Temple. I always got Shirley Temples at Chinese restaurants. I don't know why that is. But I, I bet it's got an interesting history. That's, I remember getting my first Shirley Temple. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Chinese restaurant. I was in Nashua for a fucking one-act festival. <laughs> oh, no. With my drama teacher and a bunch of kids. Mm, I don't like that. And <laughs> <laughs> 
It was fine. We talked about Homestar Runner. It's fine. I got Shirley Temple. They got a little one of those little monkeys oh. hanging on, on the edge of my drink. I'm like, this is fantastic. No orange juice, though. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. Can I do my creep now? Okay, <laughs> but listeners, <laughs> listeners, if you uh, if you do have orange juice or no orange juice in your Shirley Temple, tweet at us at, at creeps. Okay, you can go. My phone went to sleep. <laughs> Can't believe you just. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. Okay, so your guess again is either you or Shirley Temple. Yeah. Again, you have everything you could ever need, including a house that some people only dream of. Yeah. But you're about to hit a rough patch. Oh. Because almost everything you love is made of the same thing, and it's about to get real scarce. What? Polyvinyl chloride, the third largest plastic commodity in the world. Wait. Uh. Are we talking? Can I make another guess? Yeah. Polly Pocket. No. Oh. Close. <laughs> Polyvinyl chloride, not Polly Pocket. Oh, because I thought Polly was in the name and I thought that was really cute. Oh. Poly. Polyvinyl chloride. Yeah. PVC. Yeah. Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket. PVC Pocket. P- <laughs> That's why they call her PVC Pocket <laughs> in her new drag look. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> love it. Someone can steal that drag name if you Please. want. PVC Pocket. Yes. I love it. No, polyvinyl chloride, the polymer, is the third largest plastic commodity in the world. It's a thermoplastic polymer that creates dioxin when it's burned. It's made from naphtha, which is a byproduct of the process used to refine crude oil. And you need that oil for pretty much everything. Oh. That oil built your dream house. It did? Yeah. Wait. Dream house? A Barbie dream house? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. You're Barbie, baby. I'm Barbie. It's a Barbie world. Look down. No nips. No nips. No crotch. Just smooth down there. Just smooth. I would love that, actually. Yeah, I think that'd be chill as hell. Yeah. Just one big clip. Nothing coming out. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff's going in, though. <laughs> My Barbies? Boy, howdy. Ooh. It's 1973, mm-hmm. and while you're going down on Ken, below the deck of your four-foot-long dreamboat... <laughs> I don't think so. Reverse that. <laughs> it's 1973, and while Ken is going down on you, thank you. Below the deck of your four foot long dreamboat, the price <laughs> of crude oil is going up, up, up. Wait, we talking about fucking NAFTA shit? <laughs> Boy, howdy! In the 1960s, American domestic output of oil was already struggling to keep up with demand as it replaced coal as the nation's preferred fuel source. But the cost of producing oil in the Middle East was scant enough that American companies could still turn a profit despite the import tariffs. By 1963, a cartel of oil companies called the Seven Sisters controlled 86% of the oil produced outside the U.S. by the members of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Companies, or OPEC. You tricked me. This is a history lesson. (laughs) Fucking bring fucking OPEC in here. Get the fuck out. OPEC. I lured you in with Barbie and then I switched you to OPEC. Fucking oral sex and then OPEC. (laughs) Jesus. You creeped me big time. I did creep you and I'm not not done. I'm I'm going to creep you again. Oh. oh. Are we not going to talk about Barbie? Well. Well. 
Okay. OPEC's original signatories were Venezuela, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Kuwait, later joined by Libya, Indonesia, and Qatar. Mm. While the sisters consisted of Royal Dutch Shell, Gulf Oil, Texaco, Standard Oil Companies of California, New York, and New Jersey, and the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. Oh, the original Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Currently, after various mergers and rebrands, these seven companies are now just four. British Petroleum, Shell, Chevron, and ExxonMobil. Fucking. You know, the worst, the worst companies. Yeah, in the world? worst ones. Just the four worst. The worst, yeah. <sighs> if um, we all got rid of those, we would be much better off. The The Anglo-Iranian oil company was a nationalized oil company of Iran, and then Britain bought 51% of it. Oh, they Suez canaled it. And that became British Petroleum, boy, or BP. Oh boy, oh boy, oh <laughs> boy. I'm sorry you had to go through this research. I, okay, I did enjoy it, but. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe. Well, yeah. I like history. I know. Even though it was bad and it sucked and bad things happened. I know. Well, that's history, baby. Yeah. So OPEC was considered largely ineffectual until (laughs) 1973. I'm sorry, that's very funny. On October 6th, 1973, 14 years and one day before I was born, as Barbie considered her next career move. Egypt and Syria moved to take back Palestinian land that had been occupied by Israel since 1967 oh Six-Day War. As Richard Nixon and Operation Nickel Grass attempted to airlift weapons and supplies to their ally in Israel, <sighs> OPEC cut oil production by 5% and instituted an embargo against Israel's allies, including the United States. Luck. Luck. Barbie's really getting into it. Barbie's going to the UN. <laughs> Barbie's just fucking trying to get please, that plastic. Please. Yeah, my plastic. Please, I don't have enough arms. They keep pulling them off. <laughs> I don't know what Barbie sounds like Mickey Mouse. But. Yeah, it's you know what? It's all uh-huh. the same person, really. It really is. At this point, <laughs> it's all Mickey, baby. Yeah, it's all Mickey. So this is the oil crisis? Yeah. The effects were immediate. The yes. price of oil quadrupled and resulted in the largest stock market crash since the Great Depression. Oh, shit. While the embargo didn't achieve its intended effect of getting Israeli forces to withdraw behind the 1949 armistice line. You know, it never does. It just... They never... It simply never does. You can never... And it's starting to feel like it never will. <laughs> oh, boy. Woof. Many believe that this caused a ripple effect which remade the international economy, planted the seeds of 21st century globalization efforts, and forever ever changed American attitudes towards oil-focused expansionism. Oh, my God. That's a lot. That's a lot. It was a very pivotal moment. Globalism? In in international history. Ugh. Globalism. Boo. I don't think I even teach that in my history class, you know? (laughs) Okay. It's a weird flex. We just, like, you know... We just forget about it. Well, because also, like, globalization is no longer something that's happening, and it's just something that is now. It just is, It man. just is. And no, I do teach about it. It blows chunks. My whole um, history class is, imperialism is bad, and these are the ways why. And we just start <laughs> at the beginning and just keep going. Good. Yeah. My kids are like, oh, my God, white people. I'm like, right? Yep. <laughs> bad. Bad. So this event... The oil crisis of 1973 also deeply affected American industries that relied on oil production for their supply of plastics, like Mattel, who by 1974 was in the middle of an embezzlement scandal centered around Barbie's creator, Ruth Handel. What? Oh, wait, I think I remember. Yeah. Ruth Uh, Handel and her uh, business partner. They kind of disagreed about who made Barbie, right? No, no. This was a different thing where they basically were trying to direct the way their stock would go. Oh, shit. She Martha Stewart it. She, yeah. 
Yeah. Did she go to jail? No, she got like 2,500 hours of community service. Of course. And paid a very minimal fine. Of course. Yeah. She made Barbie. Yeah, she made she made Barbie. That's my 25 hour, million hours there. I just made Barbie. I made Barbie. So what are you going to do? Because I made Barbie. That's the happiness of a lot of children. Yeah, children that, love Barbie. That's community service right there. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, the toy manufacturer needed a win and a fresh direction that would eschew Barbie's embrace of plastic capitalism and focus on something a little more down-to-earth. Oh, we're not going to Barbie. We're going to sidestep around Barbie. We're, we're leaving Barbie hot on the table. Yeah. We'll go back to her later. Someday. Someday. There's a gay can I really want to talk about. And I'm looking forward to it <laughs> immensely. <laughs> okay, Mattel... After Barbie in the 70s. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Does it use less plastic? Overall, yes. Okay, interesting. Okay. So, mm. in 1971, mm. a teenager named William Powell wrote a book that is still considered infamous today. Where are we going? It contains instructions for hand-to-hand combat, what? explosives, booby traps, the manufacture of drugs like LSD as well as tear gas, and tips for sabotage and demolition, surveillance, and improvised weapons. Wait, a kid wrote this? A teen. Oh, no. The Anarchist Cookbook. Oh! Exemplified 1970s American counterculture in a number of ways. Hells yeah. It reflected subversive attitudes towards drugs in the Vietnam War. It was intended to galvanize greater societal change. And most importantly, it was totally DIY. Hells yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. (laughs) While America's first DIY movement from the 1940s to 1950s focused on making the most of scarce supplies following the Great Depression, it shared other aspects with its successor. In his 1941 tome, 50 Things to Make for the Home, Julian Starr presented the act of making as a productive psychological release, saying that as one progresses in the use of tools, the basement workshop will become a place of refuge, a source of rejuvenation for a spirit bewildered or worn by the vicissitudes of ordinary existence. And this beget Tim the Toolman Taylor. Well, I, it beget the 70s DIY terrier, yeah. which begot Tim the Toolman Till, Taylor. Tim the, wow. Yeah. We're rat creeping about Tim the Toolman Taylor, right? Yeah, this is all about... Oh, wow. Hey, we're we're going to get right into Jonathan Taylor Thomas in a second. Are we really? <laughs> no. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> you can't taunt me with a JTT. I'm so sorry. And pull it away. Someday. Fuck me. Oh, someday. <laughs> we're going to fit him in somewhere. Oh, we'll fit him in. <laughs> I was going to say, he can't say that he's a little boy, but he's, he's not. not. <laughs> he's older than us. Yeah. He must be, right? Yeah, he is okay. definitely older than he's us. He's definitely older than us. <laughs> boy. Star's focus on the act of making as release and reaction to the doldrums of daily life epitomized that period's relationship to the war occurring beyond America's, just about said Veronica's, I'm watching too much Riverdale. <laughs> The war occurring beyond America's home front. <sighs> uh, it is a release. The DIY movement release. is so interesting that, like, you have roots in this amazingly, like, perversive but, like, big influential book. And then you're fucking got those two yahoos from Parks and Rec on a home improvement channel saying, look at this Pinterest and make it. Yeah. What's happened? It's a wild ride. Why don't we just make bombs all the time? <laughs> Let's just go back to making tear gas and bombs. And meth. Come on. <laughs> Boy. Oh. 
Likewise, the evolution of that relationship, the relationship between the 1940s and 1950s DIY um, to the Second World War, the evolution of that relationship becomes a stark shift to the 1970s DIY period as a significant population found itself radicalized by the effects of American imperialism in Vietnam. Mm. The shift towards idealized commune living fueled the do-it-yourself ideals of access to tools and information and other strategies for withdrawing from normative lifestyles and capitalist modes of consumption and waste, says Felicity Scott, an architectural theorist. Do you, like, read... Like, a lot of Marxist books. <laughs> it's possible. How many, Al? <laughs> more than was perhaps necessary. I mean, good on ya. Certainly more than went into this. Boy. Ad creeps radicalized us even more. <laughs> I'm still trying to think where we're going with You're this. not going to guess because it's very obscure. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, so not like Easy Bake Oven. No, so. no. Could you imagine, like, fuck... <laughs> Fuck the institution. I'm going to make muffins. <laughs> Easy bake oven. <laughs> in the small oven with a light on it. It's not going to be baked. I made this light bulb myself and now it cooks my food. <laughs> and I'm distributing it evenly to the people. <laughs> uh, okay, so by rejecting the modes of production and consumption fueled by capitalism, the DIY movement echoed its Marxist roots firmly planted in William Morris's theories of joy and labor, oh my which God. led the British arts and crafts movement during the Industrial Revolution. Hey, y'all, take a take a swig. We got a William Morris uh, reference. <laughs> if you uh, got your bingo sheet out, <laughs> you'll want to mark that corner spot. <laughs> it happened. You're razzing me. <laughs> You're asking me good. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Good. This culture of radical individualism and handmade satisfaction would have a hand in vital cultural works of art, like the AIDS quilt. Yeah. And eventually it would transform into 21st century, into modern queer and punk aesthetics, the rise of Etsy, and the idealization of cottagecore. Wow. I just got tingles. I just got... I I got tingles from your wow. I just galaxy-brained, actually. (laughs) Like I gal, I literally just really. Like, yeah. I it gave me like a little shimmy shiver. Well, because and then it's so interesting because we're taking this DIY like really revolution and we're turning it back into capitalism. Absolutely, with Etsy, with Etsy yeah, absolutely. Where you're like, I need a hustle. I love this hobby, but I need to make money from it. Why do I have that drive to do so? Yeah, but then at the same time, outside of Etsy, you know, in this day and age, there are so many queer people that are creating art and creating handmade things that we can purchase through the internet that connect us to each other. Yeah, please do. Y'all, if you fucking go to Target and buy any of their pride collection, first, I will roast you live <laughs> on Twitter. Second That's of all, you fucking need to pay seven times what you paid for in, 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 in Target and go buy some fucking queer and trans merch from queer and trans people i uh i have bought two shirts from our friend podcast totally trans which ones the um the white shirt with the, yeah. the black lines uh under oh the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the sort of top surgery marking shirt yeah and then um one uh that says the transsexual menace yes uh, that they just got the rights to print i love that so much we're gonna link that yeah please go check out totally trans and their merch um great podcast i'm gonna plug my favorite trans shop they're called transfigure print company and they do printing like screen printing but they've also printed their own stuff my favorite shirt in the world it says protect trans kids it is tie-dyed with bleach it's a black shirt oh 
They got tank tops now. Ooh. You fucking kidding me? Also, they have um, a beer koozie that says Real Dads Love Trans Kids. Oh, that's so sweet. I have bought two of them, Aww. and we will be reusing them all summer long. Yes, please. We'll be linking them, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before Etsy, before Cottage Gore, in 1974, the DIY movement and its influence gave us the Sunshine Family. Oh, wait. This sounds like a cult. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. It truly does. This family of three were launched by Mattel in 1974 with a focus on a humble, self-sustaining lifestyle. Father Steve, Mother Steffi, and Baby Sweets sold handmade goods from the back of their yellow pickup truck, traveling from craft fair to farmer's market in their turtlenecks, aprons, corduroys, and sandals. No, this is this is a cult. What we're doing here is a cult. <laughs> There's several cults that have... several. What's the fucking Ant Hill kids in Quebec? Yeah, and like the, it's cults all the way down, baby. There's there's one. Oh, the was it the Yellow Bakery or Yellow Cafe? And there's one in fucking Nelson. It's literally a cult. Wow. And it's still around. They do this. Baby, baby sweets. She's pushing. She's pushing something. Seventies. <laughs> Seventies. So their dream house. Yeah was a simple four-room cottage. And instead of a glut of plastic accessories, they came with a book of at-home projects using materials kids had on hand, oh. including things like grow lots of potato plants, plant them in tiny paper cups. They're good for outside or inside the house. Braid some yarn to make a braided rug. Glue empty cardboard matchboxes together to make a dresser. Make a sofa out of a milk carton. Try a chair, too. Make an ice cream stick fence. Now, this is really frustrating to me as a kid because I got all these potatoes. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> what do I do all these fucking there's, potatoes? There's no directions. They're <laughs> just like, grow some potatoes. Okay, okay. Now what? <laughs> like, here's a milk carton. How the fuck do I make it a couch? You tell me. <laughs> That's infuriating. I think they probably had instructions on how to make it I into a couch know. in the book. I don't know. That's a lot of milk to drink for nothing. <laughs> So along with a craft store complete with spinning wheel and pottery throwing table, oh you could also God. acquire their grandparents and a family of upbeat neighbors, the African-American Happy Family, consisting of Hal, Hattie, and baby daughter Hun. Uh, hung? Hun. Oh, hun. Like hun. Like, okay. like, a, like, a like a waitress would say, hun. do you want some more coffee, hun? I love when they do that. Me too. Hun is not gendered. It makes me feel special. <laughs> hun is not gendered and neither is sugar. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Despite having a slightly creepy Coraline-esque appearance due to their inset gem-like eyes, Ooh. the Sunshine family deeply resonated with a generation. But while their sustainable living lifestyle may have had a counterculture influence at heart, their bodies were made of the same crudely sourced vinyl as their predecessor Barbie, an alien compound destined to outlive all of their homemade goods and the children who created them. And I was going to say, like, to have a toy where it's like, hey, kids ethically source the other parts of this toy <laughs> yeah. and don't pay us anything that's that's not capitalism <laughs> and unfortunately for a toy company you need a little bit of capitalism to yeah to keep it going yeah to pay for all that oil for all that plastic this seems very insincere yeah did, did you read anything about like is this was this trying to capitalize on this oh absolutely movement. yeah they were like let's capitalize on the counterculture movement by still you but we still i'm gonna use oil yeah that's fucking dumb i agree i hate it but maybe there's some inspiration that we can take from the family's sunshine and happy and their desire to make the most of the things we find around us in the words of william morris okay well mark that one off too 
Art is long and life is short. Let us at least do something before we die. Wow. You want to see an ad? I sure do. <laughs> William Morris me at the end. How dare you? Oh, okay. We're going to take an ad break. And when we come back, we will uh, we will discuss this ad that you can watch. You can find the link on our website at agcreeps.gay. We'll return after these messages. The Sunshine Family Band with its piggyback shack and the Sunshine Family making tracks. Coming to the country fair for crafts and things that you're making there. Make a swing for baby and aren't you glad that you couldn't make a belt for dad. Next weekend there's a different plan for the Sunshine Family Band. The Sunshine Family with Craft Book is sold separately. The Sunshine Family Van comes with Craft Book and Piggyback Shack that you put together. New from Mattel. Welcome back to the show. Al, my mouth is agape. I saw, I can see I, that your mouth was agape. I had a lot of feelings. Yeah. Oh, okay. You were right about the Coraline. Yeah, yeah. They did not look good. No, they were very scary. Very, very frightening. (laughs) So we got mom, dad, and a baby. Yeah. And the biggest image I saw was that little baby riding in a walnut. She sure was. In a little little swing (laughs) that someone made. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Make a swing for a baby, and aren't you glad that you can make a belt for dad? That's been stuck in my head for literally weeks. (laughs) Now that you've released it. I, I get it. Yeah, like, I get it. I fully get, so it's a it's a little van, and then you can lift off a little like craft piggyback shack. Oh, piggyback! Oh, that's very good. <laughs> also, there was definitely like a West Virginian. Yeah, it's like a very John Denver theme oh song. Oh my god! In the, even the the spokesman at the end, who's like you know new from Mattel, has a twang to his voice. So you really twang. see how they're like playing on that sort of folksy folksy counterculture yeah. thing. Which is so funny, because that seems appropriative to, like, Appalachian... Yeah. Like, folk medicine and folk craft. Absolutely, which at the same time was being maligned yeah. by general culture as being, quote-unquote, hillbillies. Don't get me started on folk No, 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 no. I will <laughs> we'll go, go all day yeah. with folk art. Um, yeah, it is. it was such... It seems... You know, it's so funny. It seems, like, so 1970s, but at the same time... I could see that toy today. Yeah. Because what it, it, it and it was, um, Al mentioned like the craft book about, and they had it, like a little craft book about what little you brown, make. brown paper, like. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Because kids do that all the time. And there was a whole generation of kids that bought this toy and got really into it and now like talk about it on forums. Wow, really? Did you find any? I, I did. I also, um, there is a, a a doll museum that does a walkthrough of the toys on YouTube. Really? So I'm going to post that. It's very cool. And the the toys available like the with the the craft. It shows you the house. It shows wow. you all the different characters. And then also, I found um, a doll co- collector who specifically has, I think, the Sunshine Family and the Happy Family, but kind of shows the different the different little outfits that they have. Okay, it's interesting because I thought you could like I was wondering if you could be able to like make their clothes as well. Well, I think you like they come oh. with clothes, but you could. I think that's part of it, and I think they might have even had like a paper doll element. Yeah. I can see how this was probably not very popular. Not as popular as Barbie. No, not as popular as Barbie, but I'm kind of into it. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of deeply into it. Because that's what... I don't know how you played with your with your toys. A lot of scissoring. But... Oh, I didn't mean Barbie. Oh. 
lot of like making things. Yeah, like, no, it was a lot of like making things. Yeah. Well, I, my, I, a lot of my play was na- very narrative. Yeah, okay. I did a lot of making things. Like, like whenever there was a cardboard box in inside the house, you would make something. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like little. Our toilet paper rolls were big in my house <laughs> when I was really little. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. So how do I bring the Sunshine family? Into 2021. Well, first of all, they're a throuple. (laughs) We don't have a baby. There's no kids. There's no kids. It's a throuple. I love it. I can see it. Okay. You know what I'm feeling? I I mean, we listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. You know, there's that um, KiwiCo where it's the box full of like... It's basically you order a box. Hey, it's the pandemic. Your kids are at home. They don't know <laughs> science. So you order like a box that does engineering and science. Oh, practice, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But it's made out of very basic materials. It's very popular to get your kids to like make something. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. Upso- uh, uh, 2021 Sunshine Family Thruple. There's three of them. Um, and it is going to teach your kid how to make an Etsy store that you can profit from. <laughs> yes! Tell me about the ad, please. Okay, so here we go. We got... We're going to do a VW van. Okay. Because we got it. We got to get that 1970s look. And then when they open up the the VW van, it is turned into a farmer's market, like, cute boutique. <laughs> like, Rose Apothecary. jars. Oh, like, Rose Apothecary, like, fucking candles, macrame, uh, fucking, I don't know, like, shellacked buns that my mom <laughs> used to make in the 1970s. Like, we're going back. And it teaches your kids with the craft book to make these things, the macrame, um, the, the fucking, what's else the candles, yeah. The candles. I don't know, what's popular? Fucking, what are these? Oh, those little, uh wooden rings that you make with a lathe. Oh, yeah. They're very popular, too. You're letting your kids use a lathe? Yeah, why not? Okay. Fuck it. Fucking fuck it. They made it through the pandemic, man. They can use whatever the fuck they want. (laughs) It's a kid's lathe. And here's the thing. It's it's a lathe for kids. (laughs) Here's the thing. They they make these things small size. Yeah. But then you encourage them, why don't you make them, too? You bump it up. You bump it up. It also teaches you social media management. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a very particular way. Because you have to keep up with the, the... vision that kid, yeah. the kids are making because that's part of the pull for the Etsy's are like oh my kid it's the modern lemonade stand it is the modern lemonade stand is macrame <laughs> which is ironic I guess because the microwave was 1970s yeah right? sand art I feel that was big in 1972 friendship bracelets and then you now have product you've got product for your Etsy store you didn't even need any startup capital no none <laughs> the kid kids got it there so hey you're good to go and you know that creates a lot, of, like a real good story that you can put on TikTok or Instagram. Like my kids started a business. You know those. Yeah, 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 they yeah. They get really popular real quick. Are you kidding Absolutely. me? Absolutely. The Shirley Temple King. And then you can say like, "Oh, my kid is uh, making money." You know, to and the money's going to go towards this underserved group that should already have money given to them by the government, but doesn't for some reason. Yeah. So we're, but also we're going to take. We're going to take a little cut. Uh, and then they're going to go on Ellen. She's still around. No, she got fired. Thank God. <laughs> they're giving her show to someone else. They're gonna they're gonna hire a new lesbian, and she's <laughs> gonna be great, much better, than much me. better. Uh, and also, your kid's gonna be on their show. And hey, they're gonna know what a thruple is because <laughs> the sunshine thruple. <laughs> that's it. That's the end. I think that's you know what. Huh? Hey, 
terrifying. <laughs> Capitalism is terrifying. It sure is. Uh, and the fact that we feel the need to um, capitalize on our loves and hobbies really scare me. Yeah. Because I feel it deep in my bones. Listen, I went I went through that Etsy period. Yeah, who and didn't? It, it was rough. Who didn't? Fucking... Al, I'm selling cross-stitch patterns on the side, my dude. <laughs> and it fills a hole in me that I didn't know I had. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. It's rough. I feel like this is not what William Morris would have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> three for three. Okay. I think I think it's time for a local ad. Yes, please. Uh, Ted, perfect timing. Uh, you remember Annette? Of course. And uh, you must be Jeffries. Uh, this is Linda from accounting. Mm-hmm. Ted, you old dog. How's that golf game? <laughs> so, it doesn't really seem like a Tuesday, does it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That made my skin crawl. I gotta, I gotta just give a thanks to our uh, favorite creep and artist, Mr. Nickel, at Dork Zombie on the Instagram. He sent us a Vancouver Science World TV ad from 13 years ago, but it feels very appropriate today. Oh, brother! I see. Do you want to tell the listeners what you saw? We're looking at a business boardroom. We're in a business boardroom. And there's some people in there, and they go to greet... They're making small talk. They go to greet each other. A man and a woman, they kiss full on on the mouth. And then the man moves on and kisses another woman full on on the mouth. They... Oh, like, it's open. open. Mouth. They are macking. When I put this ad in the... Or in the slot, when you're listening to this ad, you're going to hear it. You're hearing the mouth noises. Yeah. And that's you don't don't adjust your radio. That is full out tongue. And then you get a you get a little thrill at the end when a yeah. woman kisses a woman and a man kisses a man. But that's secondary to the sheer horror <laughs> of seeing people make out in a business situation. Yeah. Which as a person who work in business, not fancy business, you you know, fun business. Um <laughs> Is it fun? No. Okay. It's still horrifying. If you've ever been in an uncomfortable situation at work... It's very bad. It may bring up traumatic memories. (laughs) I think it did for you. It really did. (laughs) (laughs) This is a science world ad, and I think the thing was... That you you spread more germs with a handshake than with a kiss. Yeah. So everyone should kiss now. We should all kiss. 2021... No hugs, no handshakes, just kisses. Just kiss. Just stick your tongue out and touch their tongue. Remember when you used to do that as kids? No. Oh, did you not, no. not be like, let's touch, no, you never said it to anyone, no. let's touch uh-uh. tongues? No. Because. <laughs> do we need a moment? <laughs> did you, Al, did you have friends who say, let's touch tongues, everyone's uh-huh. doing it? Uh-huh. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Oh, friendo. I touched some tongues in my day. How many? I don't know. More than one? Yes. <laughs> what is wrong with Courtney Comox? <laughs> what is know. wrong with the children? I, don't know. I never. You never? You no. never. Okay. Well. I did, we did play Doctor uh, over in Ontario. That probably was not great either. But yeah. 
Boy. I guess I'll just head off to therapy. <laughs> Again. <laughs> just go go directly just back to therapy. Just thing, I guess. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. I'm so sorry. Hey. Mr. Nickel, thank you for uh, for giving us that gift. Thank you. We'll post that on our Twitter. At AdCreeps is also going to be in our sources. AdCreeps.gay. Yeah. And what else can we tell them? Hey, you can, uh, again, you can find us at AdCreeps.gay. You can find the sources there. there. You said, you literally just said. I did said, say that. I'm sort of so embroiled in my own trauma <laughs> that I'm having a hard time. We did dig up something deep and dark. Yeah. And I apologize. Did you say that. where they can send local ads No, to? I didn't, okay, actually. Okay, so if you have a local ad, you can email it to us at adcreeps at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also find us on Twitter at adcreeps and on Instagram at adcreeps. And you can, um, you, if you want, you can write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be pretty cool. My therapist said it would help me with my trauma. <laughs> that these local ads give us, for sure. Boy, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got. <laughs> I think I've done run my course. I think we're going to lie you down and just feed you barbecued chicken. Now. Yeah. Until next time, we are signing, signing off. But first, a word for my spouse. But like more than three?